When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I am joined this week by a full complement of critics. And one of them is Owen Hughes. Thank you very much, Steve. Hello. Hello. Another of them is Andrew Brooker. Evening, gents. <laughs> and the final one of this lot is Tony Black of Pick a Flick. Evening all. How are we all? Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. It's good to have someone's voice other than just me and Steve on here. Well, you say that. last week. You say that. In your own little I, echo I, chamber. I, th- <laughs> I thought we did quite well, just the two of us. Uh, well, well, we I, went I, on for a long time. I agreed completely until you didn't get my joke. Oh, yeah. Apologies. <laughs> and, and thought I, I can't was believe I missed offering it. to tongue your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed, Brooker. Well, I, mean, I wasn't offering. Well, yeah, you know, it's off the table. So it's been, it's um, been a long day. Maybe a couple of beers. Give <laughs> me a few hours. Yeah, we uh, we talked off air just a minute ago about how now really the only step is for Steve to do his own podcast on his own, and I I still think that's a great idea. Just two hours of Steve monologuing to the to the audience. Brilliant. Just, that's what yeah. I want to see. Just Steve I'm and just... a dictionary. Just... Filibustering. <laughs> I'm just too cynical. That's the problem. And, and just. What? Just dismissive up. of your own opinions? Yeah. Start reviewing stuff and like, no, I don't think so. And just fed <laughs> up. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> jaded by everything. I just like the idea that, that we find out that Steve has multiple personalities and he just starts rebuking yeah. himself over, over two hours. He's going, no, that's a load of shit. The thing is, you know? the thing is I, I could have mo- multiple personalities, but they're all just dickheads. <laughs> the same, miserable, <laughs> same person. Southern. I was, uh, yeah, I was just um, marvelling at how it's taken us to get to 210 episodes before you've described yourself as jaded because I've never got that impression before. Um <laughs> It's all a persona. You know how like Jack D just comes across as miserable all the time, but he's not in real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we do have some good news <laughs> to try and lift the moods again, um, because the Best UK Podcast Award category has now got failed critics in it. After I put us in, I thought I can't be asked to wait for someone to nominate us. No one's ever going to pick us. I'm going to have to do it ourselves. Um, so we are in there, and we were on 78 votes at the last count. Astonishing. Nice. Pretty what, good. What, what, are all, what are all the other losers on? <laughs> we are uh, being beaten by our chums from Wiki Shuffle. Um, uh, Pick a flicker, just ever on our coattails. In fact, at one point, they zoomed in front of us. 
and then that was um, only that was only yeah, when so all my mates voted for me. It, it's fine. I just like takes <laughs> a lot of people that, vote. So that got you three extra votes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've been generous too. Uh, yeah, I. Uh... But you're doing really well in it. I mean, I think you'll probably overtake us eventually. I think oh. we had a bit of a mad splurge, and then no. it's quite down a bit. Wiki Shuffle, we're coming for you. <laughs> we were for like not that it's a competition at all uh, but, but we it were it's a very nature of the thing yeah we we were in front of wiki shuffle for a bit and i was like how the fuck is this happening how are we ahead of wiki shuffle who, who almost clearly like Wiki Shuffle, who almost made the 50 greatest podcasts list in the Guardian. In the Guardian, yeah. You know, which then they're not saying much about at all, you know, about how they didn't make it. <laughs> they were close, they were close. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so they're at the minute. Oh, I mean, I wish them all the best. I think they mm. are the best comedy podcast that's on that list that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Um some of the others. I mean, I'm not knocking the others. I think some of them are actually pretty decent, and it's a there's a lot of um, competition on that that category. But they they're pretty good, aren't they? What's quite funny about it actually is they a lot of people don't seem to realise that you can vote for more than one. Mm. Yeah. So I've kind of I've I've shared the post and gone, please vote for you know the guys that let me podcast for them, and so, yeah. and a couple of my mates have seen that I voted for the the number two podcast as well, and just voted mm-hmm. for that. And I know full well that one of them is like this 55-year-old drama teacher that I know full well is not listening to the Video Gamer UK podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just glad not to have Neil Point really. That that was my that was my whole. Oh, yeah, I just said just just not... vote for me so I don't have zero because that's just the ultimate humiliation. We're we're not doing a UK at the Eurovision, no. which is good. We're, we're not second from bottom. Yeah, yeah. but that's all, we'll that's all political is Eurovision. It's nothing to do with how good the music is. Maybe, Maybe that's what we should have done, though, Steve. It's just sung about how Wiki Shuffle storm into Fail Critics HQ and kill everyone and then leave again, like the Ukraine. I, th- I think this. I think the new media awards is all block voting. Definitely, it's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Eurovision for podcasts. That's what it should be. I hope the ceremony is just as flamboyant and fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to turn up naked with a couple of wolves just to see what happens. <laughs> I'm going to fight with I'm going to fight Wiki Shuffle. <laughs> yeah, I'm recording <laughs> the podcast list. Mm-hmm. Owen, do you yeah? really listen to Jim Sterling's one? I can't remember what it's called. No, I don't know what that is. I just it just made me laugh. <laughs> so I thought I'd give it a <laughs> It's about five yeah. down from there. It's the podquisition. I voted for it. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> this see the thing is though about some of these that are entered. I mean, fair enough. They probably are quite good podcasts. You know, the IGN UK podcast um, is in there. There's uh, the Adam Buxton podcast has been nominated as well. And I kind of think, yeah, I mean they are good podcasts, but it kind of goes against what I'm voting for in this list. Do you know what I mean? I'm not picking. Um, you know, any of the, the major UK podcasts, the things that were in the Guardian's top 50 podcast lists, etc. You know, I'm trying to treat this as like a chance for all of these. Indie ones. Y- yeah, indie ones. You know, Black Dog podcast is on there. Um, the uh, Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour, which I hadn't heard until she guested on the Wiki Shuffle um, 
podcast. Do you, do you, want, you want to know a funny thing about Stacey? I, I know her in real life because she is one of the best friends of a guy I used to live with. It's a weird, it's a small world. I know, I knew her <laughs> long before the podcasting world. Just bloody hell, Tony. Really? You're just playing up this whole like accent thing. How's the name changed Tony Black? <laughs> no, she, she's still as filthy and brummy as she always was. So <laughs> I don't think she'd mind me saying that, actually. I think that was the impression she was definitely giving on the uh, <laughs> the guest episode of Wiki Shuffle. <laughs> it was good fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out some more of those. But yeah, so we, oh, you, Tony, Pickflick are on there. Foul critics are on there. Wiki Shuffle are on there. Plenty of others that I'm sure other people will have been listening to, like a little bit racy. Oh, excuse me, racing up the list as well. I really They're thought you hot. were gonna say there was a podcast thing called a little bit racist. <laughs> well, you know. coming coming new to the failed critics networks, so my sole podcast, my individual effort. A little bit racist. Yeah, Stephen, a little bit racist. <laughs> please make it, please. Yeah. There should the, at least the, be the, the episode title this the, week. The, se- yeah, I mean. the, the, se- the sequel, it. The sequel to that for me would be a full blown figure. <laughs> That's when Steve's yeah. like sixty. And he's become half gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 30, maybe. Um, <laughs> and then after that is what, the Chinese are quite rude? Mm. Is that the next stage? <laughs> anyway, should we, should we move on to the quiz quite swiftly? Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, last week we had no quiz. We did have Owen's wonderful review of Spice World, the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was considering theme in this week's quiz around Spice World. That was one of my thoughts. I was going to ask you. Well, I, I wish it. you had because I've seen that not not so long back because we did it on Pick a Flick. So you did, we, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'd have been a good chance then. Yeah, but instead, um, I'm reviving a format that I tried out a couple of months back. I think a few months ago, where basically I'm going to ask you to in your team. So it's Steve on his own against uh, Tony and Brooker is to say how many of a thing that you can name. And Ooh. if you can't name that many, then you get the point. The... If you can't actually name as many as you claim, and Steve, for example, could name more, then Steve gets the point. The National Lottery used to do this kind of thing, didn't they? I think it's nicked from the National Lottery. <laughs> we will see how it goes. Okay, so everyone's clear on the rules, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Steve. Yo. Did you watch Eurovision, by the way, before we don't, move on? Don't be, don't be ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Eurovision is like the best night to be on Twitter. It's just the absolute best reason to have a Twitter account is Eurovision. But at Eurovision, for some reason, Justin Timberlake was there. Of course he and was. And what I want you to do, Steve, is tell me how many Justin Timberlake credited film acting appearances you can name <laughs> how many Justin Timberlake roles do you or films that he starred in do you think you can name right um I think I could yep. do three <laughs> Brooker Tony any advances on three or do you think Steve will not get to three? Oh, I can pretty easily do five I reckon well, I'll, do five. I'm going to go with you, Brooker, because I can only think of, of one or two. So, yeah, let's go with you. <laughs> okay, Steve, can you name three Justin Timberlake film appearances? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Social Network. Yes, that's one. Shrek 3. He was in Shrek 3, yeah, that's right. And 
friends with benefits? That is Mila Kunis? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. That's three. Go. So, uh, Brooker, yeah. Tony, all you have to do now is name more than Steve. So you've got three already. So Give us another one. In time and runner, runner. Uh, I, there I, you go. I was going to say in time, but I couldn't. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was also inside Lewin Davis, which I think is my favourite oh, role of his. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. It's a really good film. Mm. He was in uh, God Awful Alpha Dog as well. Oh, and Edison with uh, uh, LL Cool J. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He was also apparently in The Love Guru really? and Bad Teacher. Oh, and God, Bad Teacher was so bad. Yeah. Social yeah. and Tales. So ghastly. There you go. Okay, so another thing about Eurovision is uh, ABBA were quite popular, weren't they? And they were a Eurovision band and it happened to be in sweden this year so brooker tony how many credited actors or actresses from the film mamma mia can you name <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> bloody hell um oh hang on i'm trying to think i, I think i can name five brooker how about you no you, this is all you mate <laughs> Right, okay, five. So, Steve, can you name more than five, or do you think Tony and Brooker won't even make it to five? I don't think they'll make it to five. Okay. So take it away. Take it away, Tony. Um, okay, uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, yeah. Stellan Skarsgård. Amanda yes. Seyfried. Yeah. And Julie Walters. Well, he's done it. It's, it's an assail, unassailable lead almost for you now, Steve. 2-0. We're on to the next round. Wow. <laughs> one should... of the things that we're going to be talking about, one of the things we're going to be talking about in the news uh, section is the trailer for Assassin's Creed, which is a film adaptation of a computer game. So, Steve, <laughs> how many of the top... 25 highest grossing video game adaptations according to box office mojo do you reckon you can name so just the top 25 um worldwide this is not that that will be of any help right i i i genuinely don't think i could name i'm trying to think at the moment of video game adaptations mm-hmm. i'd Seems I'd, really bad that this I'd... falls into my wheelhouse then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to push you for a number anyway, Steve, because this is not good what radio. What you're saying is I... get off Google. <laughs> I, I'm going to say zero. I've drawn a blank. My mind has gone blank. You can't name a single... <laughs> wow. I don't think I could. My mind's gone blank. Don't okay, you only have to so... name, like, one? <laughs> you only got to name a single... I'm going to make it a bit more challenging then, I guess. Right. I know it won't be really challenging. <laughs> but you're going to have to name a computer game, uh, video game adaptation that's in the top 25. If you name one that isn't in the top 25, you lose and Steve gets the point. Tomb Raider. I'll, I'll def- yeah. Tomb Raider is correct. It's either the first or second in that list because it's Tomb Raider. It's, it's Resident <laughs> yep. Evil. It's one of the Resident Evils at the top. There are five Resident Evils in there. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even the first one that's the highest grossing. Resident Evil Afterlife. 
is the one that's made the most money, uh, apparently. Yeah, the third one. Fourth one, sorry. I've no idea. <laughs> I have no idea where they are. I mean, I should really like the Resident Evil films, but I've just never got to grips with them. I really do. Shitty popcorn films, they're great. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it seems like it should be right up my uh, alley, but... They're good, you know. they're good just switch off and enjoy films. You know, there's nothing big or special or clever yeah. about them. You can just... You can watch them and fall asleep and it's not a problem at all. Mm. That's what you want from a film, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it's now 3-0. And Tony and Brooker, all you have to do now is tell me how many Lego films there are. So we want either theatrical, uh, theatrically released or direct-to-DVD Ooh. Lego movies. Not TV shows and not shorts. Six. I don't know. You reckon you could do six? No. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I haven't got a clue. I only know the one. I reckon I, I reckon I could do I'll tell you what, five, I reckon. Maybe. Five. Alright, okay. Steve, do you reckon they can name five or can you name more than five Lego movies? Um I I reckon they can name five, yeah. So you can you're gonna have to name six? I don't think I can name six. If you think they can, then you're going to have to do six. (laughs) I'll try. Okay, okay. Challenges are... Brooke, Tony, name your five Lego movies. So there are three, I think, Bionicle films. Mm -hmm. So that's three. No, there are four Bionicle films. Okay. And the Lego movie. But the... the, mm. See, now one of the Bionicle films isn't just called Bionicle 2 or Bionicle 3. So if you're going to name it, I want its name. All right, then no. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't the... Because we talked about this a little while ago, didn't we? The Lego Batman movie, which is just mm-hmm. cut scenes from the game, was a film. So is that one? So yeah, there yep. you go. Well, that's, that's your five. That's so... your five. All right, Steve, there's five. Can you name a sixth? Um, Lego Avengers. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. Uh, Lego re- seems to be doing all the D, uh, DC stuff, so there's no Avengers there. Well, it should so be. there it's over. Yeah, Steve, you have uh, lost. I'm afraid a clean sweep for Team Brooker and Tony. Woo! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. See how excited Sorry, we Steve. are by that. <laughs> I think he's busy tying his a string around his tooth on the other end of the door <laughs> handle. Yeah, um, yeah, I lost. Um, not good. Not good at all. Anyway, which personality is this one? All of them. <laughs> all of them. Anyway, should we go on to the news? Yeah. Mm. Why not? We're now. Yes. Um, we're not going to bother with cans because it's boring. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep calling it cans because yeah. it annoyed Callum last time. Yeah. I think. So it's cans. 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 Yeah. Hey. It really is a little bit racist. Sorry, Cameron. Racist against the French? It's it's more. I don't know. Just mocking yeah. the accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Fantastic Four could be getting a sequel despite uh, Fox removing it from their 2017 schedule and the film being bloody rubbish. Wow. Yes. Aren't we all uh, so happy to hear that? It's What strikes me as being particularly odd about this piece of news is that, um, well, the fact that they've decided that they're 
planning to do one anyway, or there's hints that they'll be doing one, but that they want to get all the cast back together for it. But but Michael B. Jordan's just been cast in Black Panther. He's just, exactly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's just, uh, there surely will be no chance that they will all come back for that. No, you wouldn't. There would have so. to be some major recasting. I think well, it depends. I mean, uh, it depends really, I suppose, if they're under contract still, because they might, they might have locked them in for more than one film. So you could well imagine that you get people like Miles Teller and, you know, come back begrudgingly, not really want to do it, but he hasn't got a choice, really. Because mm, this, this, this whole thing is, is just so good. Out of the performers, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this whole thing, though, is just about uh, the rights. You know, the only reason that Simon Kinberg yeah. is, is doing this, he wants to do this, is nothing to do with making a better film. It's so that Marvel don't get it back. That That's all it is. And it's, it's that, that's what everybody wants. They Everybody wants it to go back to Marvel so they can put them into phase four. But until Kinberg gives up or they become, they make no money at the box office at all, repeatedly, then this is going to keep happening. Well, it's, yes, I mean, it's a very good point. Um uh, I mean, I did see a rumour recently, you know, you can't usually pay much uh, heed to these things, but the fact that with the uh, um, the last X-Men movie, uh, Days of Future Past, potentially opens up an avenue for Fox to cross their characters over with the MCU as well, because of the whole universes colliding kind of thing. It hints that actually these movies these characters could all be in the same universe and it could just be fox trying to keep hold of the fantastic four in the hopes that they could do a spider-man um because we've all seen how successful that's gone down in civil war yeah the only problem you've got with that in the long run though is that even if they did strike a deal you've then got to retroactively explain why no one has said the word mutant forever you know because obviously the reason for that is the rights to the word mutant so how do you go back then if you do have a big, you know, crisis, effectively, a crisis like in the comics and they all come together yeah. and you still carry keep the MCU as canon to a degree, even if you do a Star Trek and you kind of reboot it, you still have the problem of why aren't they called mutants unless it is all then set in a separate parallel universe, which just seems to complicate it all. And I think you'd have a lot. Yeah, of people, I mean, you'd have a lot of people go, I don't know where I am anymore. You know? Yeah. I mean, Fox is just. Uh, all over the place anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Even with their own single franchise. Even if you just look at the X-Men franchise and you've got the X-Men films that Brian Singer made, you've got the Origins film, Wolverine Origins, which was just <sighs> diabolical. We don't and talk you've about got, that. You've got the <laughs> First Class and um, etc. And then you've got um, Deadpool, which kind of fits in with the Wolverine Origins sort of series in a way and it's kind of i mean it's strange um that they would all be in the technically same franchise and the same canon but all over the place it just seems to be they maybe don't care as much and they realize that people don't care so much either you know audiences will just go and see hugh jackman dress up as wolverine again Mm. regardless of you know the context um which is to a degree, I guess, true. I mean, have we all heard about the X-Men Apocalypse reviews so far? Mm, in middling at best. Yeah, they've been lukewarm. I mean, I, I, I fully, I mean, obviously, you know, we won't know for about a week, but I fully thought this was going to be relatively average. You know, the, the, the whole thing, you know, it, it was ever since everyone started to say that Oscar Isaac looked like Ivan Ooze 
than I thought. Nah. <laughs> oh, he photos, though, doesn't he? He, yeah. he does. Have you, have you guys seen that stupid fucking petition to prevent Disney paying critics? I, I did an article. Oh, well, Tony, you wrote about this, didn't you, for uh, Flickering Myth? I did, yeah, because I'm writing for Flickering Myth. Yeah. And one of my articles last week was about this ridiculous, they're called Free Disney. Um, <laughs> fucking free critics from Disney. Yeah, absolute fucking morons who basically think that Disney are paying critics to slag everybody else off except the MCU, when the simple reality is that almost everybody else isn't doing as good enough a job. That That's a... Mm. That's a no. It's the reasoning in that that petition that just made me laugh. Like yeah. Deadpool would have suffered the same fate if it wasn't for the fact yeah. it was released in, in February, and so it's safe. What? What? Is it just too <laughs> cold yeah. in February for Disney to get involved? Well, I, 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 I even mentioned you. I even alluded to you, Brooker, because I mentioned in the article that I knew someone who'd been to see it ten times. <laughs> and are you, are, you, are you seriously telling me that he wouldn't have gone ten times had it been released in March? I was like, fuck off. No, yeah. <laughs> I just so, yeah. fucking I, I fell over laughing and as I'm reading I read it out to a bunch of guys at work and we're just creasing with laughter it's the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard I mean it's not unheard of for a studio to pay critics to review their film well I mean that's not that's not a myth that is a thing no, that happens. of course it's a, a real thing but, but not, the idea not so much that they would but well, I think it still kind of does happen, but the, the it's obviously slightly different because of the internet and how that's changed how movies are reviewed, and you know every bugger's got a film podcast. Hello, mm, so um, but you know to share their opinion. But the I think it still does happen. But you've also um, you know the idea that they would then pay people to down review movies by rival studios that just does not sound like. I think that seems like crazy ramblings to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, other news is uh, Assassin's Creed trailer has landed or dropped or fallen or appeared or scaled a wall. Yeah, and then <clears throat> backwards. Mm. Yep. Um, and it's received very positive comments, um, especially for a video game adaptation. I have to say, I have only played the first Assassin's Creed film. Uh, fuck me, let me start that again. I have only <laughs> played the first Assassin's Creed game. I haven't played any of the others. And um, I, I kind of feel like that I should, because I know some of them are really supposed to be quite good. But it's it, in, my, in my mind, they're kind of bracketed in with things like um, Call of Duty or, you know, these AAA games that just get one a year that probably has slightly tweaked certain aspects of it, but is mostly the same game. Is that unfair? Because Not entirely unfair, no. It's mm. not entirely unfair. But I, I do, I'm very vocal about my love for Assassin's Creed. And mm. I've, I've j- literally just, like this morning, I downloaded numbers one and two to a, I'm starting a binge between here and December. I'm going to finish all of the main games. I'm, so, I'm in fucking trouble. Yeah. <laughs> mainly because I've, I've got to spend a fortune because I haven't got the old consoles now, so I've got to spend a fortune on PlayStation now streaming the PS3 games because I can't play them any other way. But wow. I really want to 
before the film comes out, I want to do the the law from start to finish again. So, but you're not wrong. They're definitely, you know, there, yeah. there are definitely some of the games that are literally just slightly tweaked versions of the one the year before. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say they're all like that. Some of them are genuinely excellent games. And if you've got the opportunity to play them, I will definitely give it a go. Yeah. I did. I did have the opportunity because they're on the, they're like the only um, major series, I guess, that's on the Wii U because this is how like shit I am at computer games. The only like I've got a PS3, but I've got a Wii U. Yes, I, I really like the Wii U. It's a really good console. Um, it's not going to last much longer because of the whole NX thing, but that's a different podcast. Really, but the um, the Assassin's Creed games are on there, so I was te- I'm always tempted to get them, but then I always remember how repetitive the first game was and how bored I got of that quite quickly. Yeah, I, think, I, I think mean, you, you've really got to you've really got to stick with it because from from the second game onwards, it, it immediately gets a lot better. I mean, the, Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed Two is is terrific, really. It's probably still the best one. You know, um, I would I would venture that Black Flag because it adds some really cool stuff and it's just pirates at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. He's, he's my favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it does it does get better. But the other thing with with Assassin's Creed is it's as much about the mythology of of the of the games that make it as you know as, as interesting as it is. That's really what hooked me in when I played most of them. Um, and if the film what? captures that, then it's going to be really good. I think. Well, that's what I wanted to ask about, really, because I understand that the story is kind of overarching through the whole games, right? There's a similar concept with uh, some company who send these yeah. people back to their ancestors. And that, from the trailer, looks like it's, again, it, that's basically what's being transposed into the film series, or just the individual film. I don't know if it's going to be turned into a series or not. Um, Interestingly, the, the, but, uh, I was reading Ubisoft said they want to steal bits from the film yeah. To put into their next game, specifically the um, the manner in which he man- he goes back into his ancestors. That's that's what they mainly picked up on, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah, a really the, uh, interesting. The, the new Matrix lookalike Animus thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel? I mean, do you think that from the trailer? I know it's very difficult to judge a film from the trailer, but do you think it kind of looks like those games that you guys love, or? Yeah, or, or perhaps yeah. not. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, I think it, it captures the um, it captures the old fashioned set. You know, it's, it's a good setting. The Spanish Inquisition is, you know, the great thing about Assassin's Creed is they're always setting pivotal points of history because then they manage mm-hmm. to weave in, you know, historical figures into the storyline. So, I mean, I'm hoping we'll get to see Torquemada, you know, the the infamous um, Spanish Inquis- Inquisitor, you know, an actual mm-hmm. real life. I mean, if he's the villain, then I'd be really happy there. So they, they've they've set it in a period, and you know, a massive. There's always a religious undertone to the Assassin's Creed games. There's a lot about theology in there, and about mythology and theology, and Adam and Eve, and all this kind of stuff. And it's and if so, if they've got that rippling underneath, there's a big sci-fi element without going into too much detail that I think they're going to retain as well with it, um, which is a really cool piece of mythology, and that will underpin a lot of it, I think. Um, no, I, I thought I it got it for me. I, I came out of that trailer thinking, yeah. Even with the Kanye West fucking music, yeah. oh, the, the fucking music. I, I said this, didn't I, when it came out? I said every single fucking Assassin's Creed reveal and/or launch trailer has had really shitty music in it. Yeah. I'm almost <laughs> certain that Brotherhood had 
fucking Skrillex playing as, <laughs> as the dude ran across the roof. You, I mean, you can't get two things further apart from each other, like the fucking mm. Renaissance and Skrillex. And yet the game mm. turned out to be absolutely amazing. So it, if you want to keep that dog shit music thing going, let them do it as long as the film comes out all right at the end of it. Yeah. Then you're not worried about this whole trend of like how there's never been a great video game adaptation. I, I, I mean, not, not saying they're, they're all crap. I do, I do draw the line when people sort of say, you know, there's no good a- adaptations. You know, I've enjoyed films, but there hasn't been a great one yet, has but, there? But I think that I'm encouraged by two things there. For, for the fir- firstly, that you don't really get many video games get a, get an actor like Michael Fassbender involved. That's one thing. And Marion Cotillard's in it as Marion well. Marion Cotillard, I mean, Jeremy Irons, Brendan yeah. Gleeson. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got a top-notch cast here. The other thing is that Je- um, Justin Kurzel did a really good job with Macbeth last year. And, and him and Fassbender worked together really well. He, if he has, and he Cotillard gives, was in it as well. Cotillard was in it. If he gives Assassin's Creed that same really sort of gritty, dark you know, a medieval sensibility, then it's going to, it's going to be great. And I, I, I really think as long as they get the script, right, that's the only thing that I'm wor- I'm wondering about. If, if they fuck the script up and it's poor, then it will sabotage the film. I think visually and performances, I think it'll be fine. They've just got to get the script, right. In this part of the podcast, it's like what we like to call what we've been watching, where we take a look at films we have seen in the last seven days. It might not be new releases, I can't take part in this because I've been busy and haven't seen anything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If only you knew. Yeah. Uh, mm. That paint won't watch itself, Joy. No, it won't. watch itself, bro. Well. Uh, yeah, so, Owen, it's, as you were... Just, as you distracted said, by the wall, then. <laughs> Owen, it's, a you... nice mat. it's a nice mat. Sorry. Yes, me. Do you want me to review a film? Uh, yeah, go on, then. <laughs> okay. I watched a film called Demolition Man. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't seen Demolition Man for a long time. I kind of remember it being kind of fun, but mostly a bit cheesy and just not as good as the films that were out at the rain, uh, around the same time. Um, in terms of the sort of sci-fi, uh, Stallone, Arnie, action films, you know, Total Recall. Um, was not that long before it, um, you know, all that kind of science fiction esque macho bravado stuff, right? So I went into watching Demolition Man yesterday, thinking, who is this gonna stack up these days? If I thought it was pretty, pretty average back then, pretty generic, surely now it's just gonna seem worse, and. I quite like it. I quite enjoyed it a lot, actually. It was perhaps because it felt so cheesy and threw in all these um, self-aware gags about like the fact that Arnie was um, the president of the USA at one point and Stallone makes a quipper like that guy. I, I just thought it was all lots of little knowing winks, but it was actually quite fun. I mean, the plot for Demolition Man is essentially... Um, a cop in 1996, I think it was. Uh, 97, thank you very much. In a sort of crime-ravaged Los Angeles, um, he manages to take down Wesley Snipes, who is his like arch nemesis and a big bad crook. And in doing so, ends up 
blowing up a building full of hostages uh, as sort of collateral by accident because Wesley Snipe kind of lies and says that all the hostages are at the building. So the, the punishment for Sylvester Stallone, who's the cop, and for Wesley Snipes, who's the criminal, is for them to be put into like stasis, into a cryogenetic or cryogenetic sort of stasis. And they wake up 30 years later, or nearly 30 years later, and the place that they've woken up in is like a utopia. America's this non-violent, uh, sort of futuristic society with electric cars and with uh, tablets that have got FaceTime on them, with Siri that answers your questions when you put a press a button on a computer. I mean, they get quite a lot of things um, right. Some things not so much. Mainly the things they don't get right about what the future will be like is the language. But that kind of makes it funny, the, the quirkiness of the language. In fact, like the one thing where one of the, the, the museum curators walks up to Wesley Snipes and says, fellow greetings, sir, what's your boggle? I quite like that. I think I might nick that and start saying that to people. <laughs> what's your boggle? I like it. It's good. Um, one thing that it also keeps <laughs> from the past is lots of product placement. So much product placement in this most notably i think is taco bell <laughs> the one and only fast food restaurant to survive in 2032 that's it <laughs> i mean the fact that um salt is not allowed swearing is not allowed anything deemed unhealthy spices aren't allowed so the food's really bland so the only thing they have is taco bell and it's treated as this fine dining restaurant um I think it's quite just, uh, I, I don't know. I like the the principle of it, but the fact that it's it's just a big advertising campaign, really. It's just a really, again, I know films have to get funding some way. One of those is for advertising, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, that, that seems to be quite prevalent throughout the whole film. Uh, perhaps like its biggest uh, accomplishment is trying to make the politics in it a bit more subtle than um, perhaps it may have been given credit for at the time because it wasn't reviewed or received particularly well back in the 90s. Um, it was basically seen as a big, dumb action film. Um, but the, the, the story that's, that's there is about a society split. You know, it takes its cues from stuff like Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World, for example, um, and all those kind of uh, anti-utopian stories. Um, because you've got this underground society of people who do not want to be controlled by this kind of presenting himself as like a goody-two-shoes sort of fellow who does nothing wrong and people are always happy because they're not allowed to be anything but. Um, and wants freedom of choice. And the film comes to a conclusion towards the end that there needs to be compromise. You can't just have out-of-control rebels going around robbing stuff, um, but you can't have this un uncontrollable, unassailable um, utopian vision. They're just, they're just not a reality. So I quite liked how it worked that into the story. And then as I was looking this up online afterwards... Uh, it turns out that it's actually the most clever aspect of the film because it appears they stole it from an Eastern European author. They literally just took his story without any credit. Um, 
So it's quite a controversial, quite a controversial film, actually. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, because I was watching it, I was thinking, this seems like something that could have been from 2000 AD. You know, this is yeah. like a, it's got a kind of British feel to it that's, you know, this kind of maybe what I was actually, what it turns out is it's a European feel to it because it's this Hungarian uh, writer. I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Stefan Nemir. Oh, I was trying to avoid saying it, but there you go. Um, who reckons yeah, it was his book that was his novel, his story that was stolen for this. But um... I, I, I really want to see the Hungarian version of Demolition Man now, in which a, a man gets locked in a, a fridge for six months because <laughs> he's got no budget yep. and wakes up mm. and he's a bit cold and damp. And then a, <laughs> a, a peasant cop comes after him. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that. Not quite in stasis. It was just stuck at five degrees inside the. <laughs> it's just a bit chilly. It's, it's a bit of old they got it on the dock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, though, I think it was quite an entertaining film. Wesley Snipes was quite fun in it. Stallone himself was quite good. Sandra Bullock was not very good at all. Really? Um, I yeah, love her I in that film. I think she's hilarious. She's quite funny. Yeah. I think. The lines are quite funny, but I'm not so sure about her character. Maybe it was just too subtle for me because she was playing someone in this futuristic world. I guess maybe it was really good. I think she's kind of she's outplayed by Stallone and and Snipes being fish out of water. Uh, yeah, and that's fair. And I think Snipes is still like my uh, my measuring stick for really cool, maniacal, funny bad guys. Yes, uh, yeah. from that yeah. film, I'd. I absolutely adore Demolition Man. Mm. First thing I ever saw I Dennis see, Leary in as well. True, yeah, Dennis Leary's in it as the underground Edgar Friendly. And when you yeah. when you know Dennis Leary in his stand up, his little monologues that that's all him. You reckon? It's a hundred percent all <laughs> yeah. him. I, I've seen I everything agree. that guy's done stand up wise, and it is absolutely the director's just gone. You do your thing. And we'll record yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> but that film, I can quote that film from start to finish without a problem. I love that film so much. Well, I, I had it on Blu-ray. I got it as part of a box set, which I won. Where did, oh, I won it in a, I won it in a raffle that Paul organised for his football club. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Where else? And it was part of a Blu-ray box set. And mm-hmm. I've only, it's the, it was the last one. I didn't watch it when I watched the rest of them. Did it have Carver in it? Yes, that's that's probably like that's one of his best, isn't it? Cobra is. Oh no, it's just great. I love Cobra, but um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by Demolition Man. As I say, it was it was good fun. It was a lot more clever than I remember, and um, good solid charismatic performances from uh, from the two good, leads. It's basically what would happen if you asked Shane Black to write a futuristic movie. I think so. Ah. Mm. Oh. No, you've made me want that. <laughs> uh, Brooke, what have you seen this week? So I've not been watching many films, but what I have been doing uh, is I've been binge-watching uh, a TV show. It's actually it got cancelled last week. Uh, TV, a sitcom called Undateable that not many people I know of have heard of it. It's a, it's a little sitcom with a guy called Chris D'Elia who is... We found out, well, we saw this guy first on another shitty sitcom called Whitney. And I just, I really love him. I, his his quality of stand-up is really funny. And his his acting is really funny. And when he got his own TV show done, this Undateable, 
it's basically a guy who is God's gift when he when he's really not, and he <laughs> takes a, another guy who's also far far away from being God's gift and tries to tutor him in getting women, and it's just it's stupid throwaway sitcom, but it's it basically turns into him and a bunch of his stand-up friends just sitting in, in a set that's built like a bar, just throwing insults at each other. And, I mean, it, it randomly turns up on Comedy Central, so it's it's definitely something, if you've got 20 minutes the next time an episode is on, it's worth a laugh. It it won't change your life. You know, it's not Friends, but it's very, very funny. But that's pretty much been my week. <laughs> yeah, I haven't... I haven't seen it at all. I haven't even heard of it. In oh. fact, I just looked at uh, Wikipedia. I haven't even seen anything that this guy's uh, Chris Delia's been in. No, he doesn't do much. Like I say, he was in Whitney a few years ago with another stand-up comedian, Whitney Cummings. Again, I well, I I discovered her through watching Dennis Leary stand-up. So okay, right. I watched Dennis Leary stand-up, saw her, saw she had this TV show, then saw him, and then he got his TV show. Basically, this is how watching TV works in my house. <laughs> but, oh yeah, he was that th- he was that guy in that thing, I think. So let's watch mm-hmm. that. Uh, <laughs> Undateable's all right. Like I say, I ain't going to change your life, but it's a bit of a giggle. Uh, mainly worth keeping just for the the insults, because again, it's a stand-up comedian doing sitcom. It's basically the whole thing's ad-libbed. Uh, and again, once you know the guy's stand-up, you can tell which bits he's been allowed to just do his thing uh mm-hmm. they tried very hard to rescue it because it got really shit ratings season one it got a couple of extra seasons by being filmed and kind of shown live like all this all of season two and three i believe was shown live uh in the u.s so it got a little bit like he'd be live tweeting while he was in the show so he got, <laughs> got a little bit of a uh, following doing that but yeah in cbs's coal this week or last week it finally got the can. So three seasons, it's like 35 episodes to watch the entire show. So you can do it in a couple of days if you get come across it. Okay, and Tony, what have you seen? Well, I'm I'm always watching something or other. And what, I, and what I'm... All right, don't I'm brag. Do... That's, a, that's, a <laughs> that's a dig. That's a dig. All the rest of us have no time to watch anything. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not I'm saying I watch like... films and shit. I'm a proper film critic. Yeah, whatever, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the wrong show, aren't I? This is Fail Creek. Um, this is... <laughs> no, right, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have time, but I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is, because I'm a bit like anal with my reviews on Letterboxd, I'm trying to actually fill in the gaps for the films that I've seen, but I've not reviewed. So what I'm doing is I'm going back now and I'm looking at all my, my list and I'm finding all the ones that, you know, everyone's seen, all the kind of films everyone's seen. I mean, I'm putting myself through the Pirates of the Caribbean films again, which is like torture. But um, you, my the Oh, I know. <laughs> I know not what I do, but I also um, last week watched Superman Returns, which I hadn't seen for like well ten years because it came out in two thousand six. And uh, you know, I thought to myself, well, after the you know recent abominations with Superman, you know, um, I thought this this has got to be. <laughs> I thought, you know, looking back, this is this can't be too bad. Superman Returns. You know, it can't be. It's like it's it's ten years old. It's it's a lot more like the old Superman. You know, it was meant to be like a, a third sequel to the Richard Donner films. That's how Brian Singer did it. You know, and I thought this this will be all right, but it's just like 
it's better than Man of Steel, which is nard. It's better than Batman and Superman, which is really is nard. But I don't know. It it just doesn't really work because, and it's not necessarily because of Brandon Ruth because he he's fine because he's just basically playing Christopher Reeve throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with the CGI and everything, but it's just it's a combination of the fact that it's miscast in places and that isn't really any good. And it's over long. I mean, it's nearly two and a half hours. And it, 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 the only really gripping bit was the bit at the beginning. And I remember thinking this at the time, and, I, and my opinion didn't change, was the bit at the beginning where he has to basically save a plane full of people. And that is brilliantly executed. It's like 15, 10, 15 minutes of just awesomeness. It's one of the best, probably the best action sequence I've ever seen of a Superman film ever. But after that, it's just all downhill then because you've just got all the stuff with Kate Bosworth and the kid and she's not very good and in it at Lois Lane and you've got Lex, you've got Kevin Spacey who despite being Kevin Spacey just doesn't really work as Lex Luthor because he's just playing Gene Hatman and that's just old hat. It just feels like a film that was, that was made like 15 years too late, you know, and I just, I was just, but yeah, yeah, it really was. It's just, it should have been, they should have made it in like the late eighties instead of the shitty soul kind films that came after Richard Donner left and it would have been fine. You know, but I just, I just came out of it thinking, I'd rather give me that any day over the shit we've got now. But just to, again, nobody, not because not even I don't think even the Richard Donner films are perfect. Nobody yet has made a definitive Superman film for me, ever. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like I'm in the minority there because most people would say the first one is is perfect, but I don't think it is. So. Yeah, it's just it's just a bit, eh. and it's bloody long as well. It's so long, it's really just long. Goes on and it feels really slow. Yeah, isn't, isn't there's no pace to it whatsoever? DC's shit Iron Man in it. Mm. Brandon Brandon Ralph doesn't he oh, play yeah, Iron yeah, 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 yeah. the Atom or yeah the, Atom, the shit yeah. Iron Man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he feel he does feel like a TV actor who's just wandered onto a film set and gone, oh, <laughs> great. Just lucked into playing Superman. Brilliant, yeah. But he, I mean, I, you said the right thing, though, that in that he, he basically just does an impression through the whole film. Yeah, it's not does. really like watching a great performance. It's like watching a great impression of someone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in fact, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head, really, with the whole thing. That, that whole, you could apply that exact analogy to the entire film. It is basically just like Brian Singer doing an, a Richard Donner impression and not doing mm. it quite as well. And oh, you said Brooker, a tribute act. That, that, that's all it really is, you know. And and it's he, he had the opportunity, I think, to take what Donner had done and you know leap off from that and do something quite interesting, but he didn't really do that. And you know, I think now, obviously, he regrets it now because he's, you know, he's since gone back to X-Men because he obviously left and let X-Men 3 happen, which mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody would have wished on anybody. And if he could have seen his time over again, I think he would have, I don't think he'd have done it. I think he'd have just done X-Men 3 and then not spent 10 years repairing the damage. But, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And at least he had a go. And, but, you know, it's just a bit pointless. And I, I came out of it thinking, yeah. I'm only ever going to watch the first two Superman films again, ever. That's it. The rest just don't exist to me. I, I, I remained quiet. <laughs> I, I really <laughs> like Man of Steel. I think Man of Steel is a very good film. 
I didn't dislike it the first time I saw Batman vs Superman. I liked it a lot more the second time I saw it. I think that Superman 3 has got some positives to it. There's obviously Richard Pryor, who's quite funny. Um, but it's just not a very cohesive sort of film at all, that one. We're not going to even talk about Superman 4. But the <laughs> the, no. the first two Superman films are very good as well. And I think particularly the second one. If uh, We're all aware, I guess, of how it was butchered and Donna was you know, bumped off it for Richard Lester. Um, and how... Have you actually seen the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, um, by the way? I think I did um, yeah. a while ago. Yeah, I think so. And it is... It, okay. it, it, it is yeah, I have. I have, yeah. And it is better. Definitely better. Yeah, I mean, you've got to use your imagination a little bit because obviously some scenes, are like, they had to be reshot and yeah. stuff anyway. But you you kind of go and you get the vibe that he was going for. He wasn't going for something that was as um, cartoonish mm. as we, what Richard Lester did to Superman Two, because um, Superman Two is still a very good film. I think Superman Two is probably better than Superman One. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, Quite and uh, yeah, yeah, just about. But they were they're, they're basically one long yeah. film anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's probably worth digging out the, the Richard Donner cut. Not to say it's necessarily going to make it suddenly seem so much better to you. Um, but it's just quite interesting mm. when you can watch that and then look at Superman Returns, which tries to go for... I mean, it takes it like 10 times more so in that direction. But the Superman 2 Richard Donner cut is not as goofy. It's a bit more serious. Mm. And uh, I think that's what they what Singer went for with Superman Returns mm. and just went a bit overkill and made it into a really boring long tedious drab slog yeah slog yeah i mean not not to i mean you know i mean like i said i'm watching the pirates of the caribbean films they are a slog they are a tedious Mm. fucking slog compared to the you know superman returns at least has you know things to keep you interested and it has a cohesive story but Mm -hmm. it's just it is overlong it does it is long-winded it isn't doesn't need to be that 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 much in it considering there's not much in it if you see what i mean yeah. just yeah I, it's just a shame it's just a shame really that because it, it could have been better but you know as i said i know you know you're a fan of, of the latest ones i mean but give me that over yeah. that rubbish any day for me <laughs> <laughs> each to his own i'm gonna try something new this week i'm going to review a film without having <laughs> seen it and brooker who has seen it is going to tell me how accurate i am in my review <laughs> it's gonna be good to be fair so I, I write all my reviews like that so <laughs> so, so I'm try and review angry birds or the angry birds movie not angry birds the movie the angry birds movie which i don't believe is really important i think it's just being a bit semantic there um yeah. it stars okay you, you you know you're not going to be able to actually get away with this i'm going to start claiming uh you know i need to see ticket stubs from now on, because if this goes well with Steve, I don't want this trend catching on. I'm <laughs> wagging the finger. You're fucking this up for uh, me, Steve. Well, you know, as, as these as these animated films always do, it's got a stellar cast. You've got Jason Sudeikis, uh, Josh Gad, Danny McBride, Bill Hader, Peter Dinklage, Sean Penn's in this, and yeah. I'm I'm baffled. Jesus. He was a kind of late addition, wasn't he, Sean Penn? He gets his chest out and everything. It's it's just it just <laughs> all it just makes me think of is that scene from The Simpsons where Krusty says, uh, 
let's just say it moved me to a bigger house. <laughs> <laughs> and it, oh, I said the loud part quiet and the quiet part. It, that's, that's all it could be. Because, I mean, Sean Penn, even though he's meant to be a bit of a dickhead, he's meant to be like quite a serious actor. And then he goes and does like a, a take and knock off. And then he goes and does this, and you just think, well, you know, come on. He slags off these kind of actors as well quite often. Yeah. People who do this sort of thing. Um, I can't remember what who it was or what the film was, but he was having a go at people for just taking on shitty projects because it pays a bit of money when actually they're supposed to be actors. Mm. And then there proper, he is. Proper thefts. up in Angry Birds. Proper yeah. thefts. Um, I, we, I spoke about this with Owen last week, I think. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or before we recorded. I just didn't understand. Like, I didn't think Angry Birds was still big enough. I know probably it was when it had, when it was commissioned, because um, it was kind of like the first big mobile game, wasn't it? Angry Birds, maybe mm. Candy Crush. But, you know, the first big mobile phone game was Angry Birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe Snake and Snake Two, possibly. That's showing my age. But yeah, so I, <laughs> I thought kind of it's all died down a bit now. It's all Candy Crush or like Clash of Clans and the one that Schwarzenegger's advertising now, all that kind of thing. So I didn't really think there'd be much pull for it. I don't know what the, the box office takings are like, if it's done well at the box office or not. Um, Four pounds. Four pounds. That's about it. Mm. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think it's that much. Pretty dismal. Um, so yeah, if you don't know the story, basically there's some birds... They're a bit angry. Their eggs get nicked <laughs> by some pigs, and they try and get their eggs back from the pigs. Um, how you know? How do you make a plot around it? They, they didn't really. It was just that. And the birds have different characters. One of them, uh, like the main one, Red, played by Jason Sudeikis. I wouldn't even say he's an angry bird. He's like just a bit miserable. Like he's a bit fed up with everything. He's a bit like me. He's not angry. <laughs> like he's mm. just a bit jaded. There's that word again. He's one of the many personality types of mm. of Steve Norman. Basically, there's a personality type for me in every Angry Bird. Um, what's the what's the um, the female one? Uh, Have you, what's that one? Have you got that? The, you've got the sexy going on. I've, I'm bringing sexy back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it so far back that it's so so much at the back you can't find it again. <laughs> it's lost there with all your your old porn magazines right at the back. <laughs> the bottom of that. It's just gone book. hard and yeah. stiff and yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be thrown out by your mum without telling you. Mm. It, it it never comes up in conversation again. Much like this film shouldn't because it's just it's just just crap. <laughs> That's, that 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 gets down to the point of it. I've not seen it, and I know it's crap. <laughs> um, I mean, it definitely looked that way from the trailer. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, I don't know if kid, kids might like it. It's aimed at kids. It's not aimed at miserable, nearly thirty-year-old people. Um, Brooker, you've seen the film. Tell me if I'm right. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's 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 an hour and a half 
that you just kind of sit and stare at the screen and giggle a bit. It's got a, a few little like nods in it that will make you laugh out loud. But, you know, obviously, you know, there, there are one or two jokes that only the grown-ups there got. And, you know, we all laughed while the kids were looking at us going, oh, what the fuck's wrong with you? It's just two birds. Mm. But, you know, I took Little and Little and enjoyed it, I think. She giggled through it and didn't take her eyes off the screen. So, meant for kids. It's all right. It's a bit of fun. It's, you know, it's not Pixar. It's not going to, you know, cure racism or fascism or anything. It's a bit of a giggle. It, it's all right. I wouldn't go watch it again. Right. Well, that's... Uh... That's um, that's that. Um, I do, I do love how, how Steve's. I love how Steve's non-fake review was longer. <laughs> <laughs> but he pretty much covered everything. I do, <laughs> you know, it, but it literally is. It's like slightly annoyed bird help makes other birds slightly more annoyed to you know and rallies them to go and rescue stolen eggs. Solved by the mi- green pigs. It just yeah, the Miss it's, Birds movie. It's just I wanted it to be funnier, and it it really the shame of it is that the the couple of times you giggle at the trailer is pretty much the funniest bits in the film. It's not all that, but it ain't that bad. It's a bit of fun. Um, and the other film that um, the podcasters have seen this week is Green Room. Yeah, well, That's I haven't seen it this friendly week. Friendly animated movie. <laughs> the green room that couldn't slow down. Definitely um, children. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you say this week, Steve, but I watched this about two weeks ago. Uh, Brooker, did you get chance to see it again? Because I did it doesn't seem to have had a very wide release. Well, this week in general has been absolute wank for new releases. It's awful, isn't it? Absolute, absolute shit. Like, I, I went, wanted to see... I think there were like five or six films out this week, and my local Odium was only showing Angry Birds. Uh, oh no, and and our kind of traitor. Cineworld was showing all of the new ones, but all of them at six o'clock on Saturday night, because apparently I can be in four places at the same time. You know, and it's mm-hmm. a real fucking shame as well because Green Room is. You know, I managed to get to see Green Room again because luckily it was showing Friday night, and I got to take the misses, but. You know, it's nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And considering I saw it in a secret screening like a month ago, and not one person walked out of there with a bad thing to say about it, I expected it to be much wider released. Yeah, I mean, I saw it at an unlimited screening for Cineworld, sort of expecting for it to come back so I could go and watch it again this week. And no, no chance. That's not happening. Uh, I'm really disappointed, actually. I think it deserves to be seen uh, to with a wider audience because it's a really good thriller. Uh Tony, did you get a chance to see it yourself? I did, yeah, I did. I I it was I only had about 3 or 4 showings at my Sydney World in Birmingham, but it was it wasn't bad. It was better than I thought in terms of, you know, being able to be, see it because I didn't think it might be mm-hmm. difficult. Um yeah, I I I saw it. I I thought it was really 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 good. I I really did. I think it's Probably, well, it's definitely in my top three this year so far. Quite honestly, it's um, it's just really quite nerve shredding, in in a way that a lot of films don't quite manage to do. It it just you have this constant sort of palpable sense of dread all the mm-hmm. way through, 
uh, you know, and um, it's one of those. It's one of those things that it's it's not to call it slow burns. Not really fair because it's faster than than Blue Ruin, which was Jeremy Saulnier's last film. That was quite slow burn. But this is this is more just. It takes its time, but then when it's when it's violent and savage, fucking hell, is it violent and savage? It's oh. just. It's yeah, brutal, isn't it? it? Really, and it's graphic with the brutality yeah. as well. It, it doesn't oh, hold back. Out, out and out nastiness as well. It was oh, it's a and I remember proper... when I went to watch it, I winced all the way through yeah. like those really nasty bits, and yeah. it was this. I wish I could have sat like with the with the director when I went to see it again on Friday because obviously I knew what was coming, and as tense as I was, I knew exactly what was coming. So. I sat there silent and just listened to this entire audience go, ooh! Mm. I was like, this is, just, this is beautiful. This is exactly yeah. what this guy wanted. And it's just an amazing little moment where this entire, you know, 70 or 80 people in this room just kind of buttholes clench and everyone goes, oh, fucking hell. It was. Yeah. And I think the setting of it is what helps to make it feel so tense because, you know, for those who don't really know anything about Green Room, the plot basically evolves around a four piece punk band called The Ain't Right, uh, which features Anton Yelchin, Alia Shawkat, uh, Joe Cole, and Callum Turner. And they get stuck in a club, which is a punk rock club uh, run by a bunch of Nazis, uh, Nazi punks. And Nazi they are led punks. by. Nazi punks, mm. yeah. Fuck off. Nazi punks, fuck off. Yeah, it's the yeah. Kennedys thing. <laughs> but the leader of the Nazi punks is a skinhead, maniacal Sir Patrick Stewart. And I think the shock of that immediately wears off in the film when you see how like cold and calculated he is playing the character. You sort of forget that it's Patrick Stewart yeah. at one point. Isn't it and a that's... beautiful moment now when you realise that you're watching Patrick Stewart do this? You're like, fuck, mm. that's not that's not Professor X anymore. That's not that's not Picard. <laughs> Picard, Picard, stop! You're meant to be <laughs> this diplomatic. You, yeah. you know, he got it. He got a bit sniffy in um in an interview I read re- uh, recently during the press tour, where um immediately the the first question the interviewer said was. Oh, this is a real departure for you, isn't it? You know, in terms of the roles we used to see in you play. And he basically went, "No, it's not." He said, "I've been acting for like like 50, sixty years. I've done loads of roles. I've done Shakespeare. I've played really morally dubious characters. I don't want to spend ten minutes talking about Star Trek and X Men." You know, <laughs> he um, he was quite to the point about it in that this isn't a departure for him. He's he's always been capable of this. It's just obviously people do associate him more with the dignified leader kind of characters that he's become known for, but he's, he's really good because I think what I like the most about this film is that even though it's about, you know, Nazis, neo-Nazi, you know, white supremacists, Mm -hmm. well, that that's, those are the people it's, it's more of like a siege survivalist sort of horror thriller Mm -hmm. than it is about that. You know, he, he, he's a, he's a white supremacist, but the dialogue and the script never ever dwells on that. You know, there was a whole backstory for Darcy the character he plays, but it's not really talked about. The only thing we know in the end is ultimately the reason he's doing this and he's trying to protect all this is because of the drugs underneath. You know, he's got a hidden reason for all this and he's not even the white supremacy. It's almost, there's loads going, there's a lot going on under there. And But the script is really sort of, not procedural, but clinical in how he does it. And that's what's terrifying about him because it's like he's trying to solve a puzzle and a problem. It's nothing else. There's no humanity to it at all. 
You know, he just wants to sort this out so he can get get on with it. And that's that's the scariest thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think that it, it helps as well with the, the cast are all pretty damn good in yeah. this. I like it. I love Imogen Poots. I think she's a really underrated actress. And uh, hopefully something I've written about her will get published soon. But um, yeah, I think she's a really good actress. And it's nice to see her and Anton Yelchin reunited after their camp turn in the Fright Night remake a few years back, which was uh, an underrated comedy horror, I think. That was really good as well. But the, yeah, I think mean, those two together, they've just got a bit of chemistry that works on this film. There's just uh, something about Imogen Poot's character that makes her seem a bit on edge and you're not quite sure about her all the way through. Um, because you don't know her motivation for going to this neo-Nazi skinhead punk club. You're just constantly second-guessing what she's going to do. And I think that's why she works quite well against uh, Alia Shortcat as well, who um, is also equally suspicious. But there's a, the other thing I wanted to mention as well, which you touched on earlier as well, uh, Tony, was about Jeremy Sonia's um, work and Blue Ruin. I agree. I think it was a, it was a good film, but I didn't love it. I think it was lacking something. It had a lot of atmosphere in it. Uh, I really liked. Is it Macon Blair? Was it Mason yeah, Blair? Macon, I think Macon. Yeah. I think it's Macon. Yes, he, I really liked him in Blue Ruin. I'm glad to see him back as well in Green Room. But I think that what what this has that Blue Ruin didn't is story, really. <laughs> I know we talk about the characters of, uh, you know, you a, a lot is left to your imagination. But in terms of like it being that siege that you mentioned, in being a survivalist thriller, there's a story to it, and it's really taut. It's really fast-paced. It's just great. It's got that there, but keeps the atmosphere from Blue Ruin. It keeps that sort of aura that the film had. So I think it's a much more accomplished film from him. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to see what else he can do now. Yeah, he's he, he talked about how he's, you know, somebody made the point as well in an interview I read with him. In, they said, is this your three colours trilogy? You know, um, <laughs> and he went, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> they were like, when's <laughs> your red film cut me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's talked about how he's he's thinking of doing different kinds of things. Um, but he's mm-hmm. he's got this, he's got this sort of, this approaching that he kind of likes exposing the kind of underbelly of middle America. You know, both of those films have been like that. They've been all about these, you know, there's always like a punchy sort of pulpy kind of feel to it. You know, very like Sam Peckinpah, straw dogsy kind of thing going on, you know, and I, I like that. I'll tell you what though, mate, it's worth if you were, if you end up up in this direction, because Green Room showing that Sunny World Milton Keynes. Oh yeah. Go watch it again. I might, I, I, yeah, I do want to. I do want to see it. It's just like trying to find the time to do it at the moment. There's definitely a few bits in there. When I was watching it the second time around, I was like, ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah, little bit <laughs> you don't spot first time. I was like, well, I didn't spot first time around, but I'm a, a numpty. But, you know, there was a couple of, I was like, oh, wow. I, you know, just picked up on a couple of the little bits that Patrick Stewart does. I was like, oh, okay. Now, you know, I kind of get that now. Good man. Mm. I didn't get that first time around. I'm... Yeah, because there's some of the bits with them walking to the sort of office bit. Yeah. And it's like, you, I guess, it, you know, it kind of makes sense in your mind when you think about it back whilst you're watching the film of, oh, that's what they were doing. But I'm sure the, there must be things to pick up on again when that those uh, th- those scenes yeah. are going on. That's definitely going to be yeah. a day one Blu-ray buy for me, I think. Yeah. 
Sorry, I was finding my painkillers because my tooth has gone really bad again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gone like ridic- It's just gone like ridiculously bad. Oh. Um, so all that's left now for this week's podcast is for us to recommend stuff for you lot to watch uh, this week. I'm going to go Friday, film four, nine o'clock, the first X-Men film with Apocalypse out very soon. Um, Brooker? Uh, I'll go a little bit kind of against what I usually do. The guy I was talking about earlier, Chris D'Elia, his second stand-up special is on Netflix. It's like an hour long. Give it butchers. If you like that, you'll probably like the rest of the TV he's done. Okay. And Tony? Well, um, believe it or not, I'm actually just looking because you've nicked mine, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say X-Men. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to basically go with what I was thinking of doing earlier. So I'm going to go, um, I'm going to recommend, it's not new, but there's going to be new episodes coming soon. Um, I'm going to recommend the TV show Vikings, which is on Amazon Prime, if you've got that. Um, because it's a, it's a re- it's up to, it's on season four now, and they're all on Prime, if you have Amazon Prime. But it's, it's a really fun, it's like a, it's like a Game of Thrones without the nuance or the, or the, <laughs> or the complexity. It's, it's, and that's not us having a right. go at it. It's, it's. Yeah, without the dragons. It's good fun. It's good fun. It's basically just about a bit of a sort of laid-back, chilled-out Viking king who decides to just go and rampage everywhere. And then you get lots of little things in, you know, the medieval age. It's just all sex, violence, beards. It's great. It's great fun. And it's... <laughs> uh, and it's, it's up like to... Um, yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> exactly like life. It's good. It's well worth your time, really. It's 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 good fun. Okay, and Owen? I am going to pick, uh, I'm going to be a bit cheeky and pick two, but uh, Channel 5, 9pm on Friday is Face Off with Nick Cage, John Travolta. Seems criminal to not mention that one when it's on TV. But on um, Wednesday, this Wednesday at 9pm on Film 4 is uh, Prisoners with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Hugh Jackman, Paul Dano. That's a really good thread. It's quite long. I mean, it starts at nine and finishes at midnight, so it's that's, you know that's, three hour that's record. Ad, that's adverts as well. So with adverts on, yeah. on your modern telly boxes, whack it on record and watch it in Xbox. <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, it's a it's a really good thread. I mean, the more I thought about that one after I left the cinema, the more I liked it. So I might stick it on record, and that might end up being my what we've been watching next well, week as there well. There we go. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, so yes, that is now this it for all of this week's failed critics podcast. Um, my tooth is hurting, and I've been rubbing rum on my gums. So I've got no whiskey. Might be why I <laughs> explain a few things tonight. Um, what have we got next week, Owen? Oh dear, I don't know. Some more stuff. <laughs> de- de- definitely not just you and me. More award-winning <laughs> shite. Please remember to vote for us. For the award mentioned <laughs> at the start of this podcast. Oh dear! But before you do that, go and listen back to one of the, one of the best ones we've done because this one in. <laughs> so I have to apologise. I'm, I'm high on I'm high on ibuprofen and and rum. Mm. Uh, one thing I do want to plug um, is the fact that uh, coming out next week or at the weekend will be uh, a new episode of Underground Nights with Paul Field and James Mullinger. 
And they had a brief hiatus because James Mullinger was on a tour. He's doing a, a almost like a sellout tour in in Canada at the moment. But he's found some time to work with Paul, and they're going to do uh, cult comedies. Is going to be the theme of their their show and that comes out. Uh, like I say, probably be Sunday if not during the week sometime. And um, so just yeah, look out for that. Mullinger uh, is far too good for us. It's a bit strange, isn't it? It's great. It's a bit. Str- yeah, he, I, seems, uh, he seems like a great guy. He's really. He's sound actually. He's really good. He's a ledge. I think to say. He's a slice. He's a, he's a slice. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a slice. He's a ledge. And um, yeah, he's. he's um, I, I'm enjoying putting down producer of professional comedian James Mullinger's podcast at the moment on my CV. <laughs> Get a work experience. Yeah, that's quite fun. <laughs> yes, that'll that'll happen. And we'll be back next week with, with other films well, and stuff. Well, 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 hold your horses, Steve. Because Brooke, uh, not Brooke, sorry, I know, you can have a chance to plug anything you're on in a minute, Brooke. But Don't Tony, the website, Black Hole Media, you finally moved it to WordPress. Yeah, I uh, I realised that my other one was looked nice, but shit. And I, I was fed up of it. <laughs> so, uh, and I haven't updated it in ages. So I thought, yeah, because we, I talked to you about this, Owen, didn't I, last week? And I said I was thinking of doing it. Um, so yeah, it's all on WordPress now. It's, it's much simpler, but it's much easier to find everything, and you can actually download episodes and everything like that now. So um, I'm going to try and do a bit more with it in time, but it's all there. So if you go to um, www.blackholepodcast.com, you will now find the simplified WordPress Black Hole Media. So um, keep your eyes on that for all the various and sundry podcasts that I keep changing my mind about doing and doing all differently every five minutes. <laughs> but there'll be something. I can't guarantee what it will be. It could be anything. There'll be something on there. So, yeah. Wonderful. Owen, anything before we go? <laughs> no. Have you got anything to plug, Brooker? Are you, what are you writing on the website this week or anything? Uh, I don't know. What am I writing? I'm not writing anything. I've reviewed, well, Steve reviewed Angry Birds. So, <laughs> so I don't need to review that. Uh, I done because I done the uh, our kind of traitor review, didn't I? Which was a bit. You did, yeah. Uh, and I don't. I don't even know what's out this week. What's out this week that you want me reviewing? I don't even know what we're doing on a podcast next week. I have no. <laughs> it's X Men. X Men next week, isn't it? X Men. Oh, we'll have, we'll have to do X Men then, won't we? Yeah. Fair enough. Right. I think. I think that's it. <laughs> The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.